Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott's alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. How's it going? <laughs> Thought I'd uh, look real cool yeah. in the uh, in the shot right now. I uh, maybe maybe uh, some people will understand my plight. Uh, I broke my glasses today, Sean. So I'm wearing sunglasses. I did find a pair of other glasses just before the show, but uh, I thought this would be funny if I put my shades on for the show. So there you go. The The problem I'm realizing is that my screen is polarized, so I have to turn <laughs> my head uh, 90 degrees to get a clear picture. So I guess this won't last very long. How's your day going? Uh, it's going pretty good. You got a nice Paul Schaefer vibe going on there with the, the sunglasses going. Uh, you have a pretty good day over here. Scott, you are a meteorologist. It has been raining all day. Uh, normally, you would expect any precipitation mm-hmm. at this time of year to be snow. Uh, so if it had been snowing all day, do you think we'd be uh, in a buffalo light situation here? Yeah, this would be uh, 25 centimeters sort of snow kind of time uh with this system coming through it's real juicy uh we've been tracking this for a week or so so yeah uh it would be a, a buffalo-esque situation different mechanism but a similar amount of snow so uh yeah well it's a, a good thing that uh it's rain i guess uh we can still just uh take an umbrella i was out Earlier today, wasn't that bad. Just taking an umbrella with my gloves. It was uh, not too bad. And unlike a summer rain, a fall rain means nobody's out. So you're not like bumping umbrellas with people going on the, uh, going on the sidewalk. So it was a nice, uh, a nice afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Scott, uh, it is curling season. And I am glad, I will say, on this final day of November as we record that we are not playing tonight. Um, I don't like playing when it rains. The humidity in the building, uh, for as much as yeah. where we play, they they have the stuff to try to keep the humidity out. It messes with the ice enough. And uh, our buddy Dean, Ryan, they're playing tonight. The Cash League at the Ottawa Curling Club. I wouldn't want to be playing for money on, on a night like tonight. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that we are not playing Uh, But as we do turn the calendar over to December, there is a lot to talk about in the world of curling. Let's start with the European Championship, which finished on Saturday over in Sweden. And let's start with the, the, the biggest story of all, Scott. We won the bad beer bet. We won the bad beer bet. And I think, Sean, it was my selection of Scotland to win the men's championship, which wasn't even the championship we were previewing that pushed <laughs> us over the edge. Good for us. Way to go. We've never won, right? We'd won once. Uh, we, we'd won one year out of the four we had done it. So we are now two for five. Yeah, that'll get you in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the final results were 17 points for us, 16 points for Ryan and Jonathan at Rocks Across the Pond. And as Scott mentioned, the thing that put us over the top 
was Scotland on the men's side winning. That bonus point was our 17th point. We did go into the finals on Saturday knowing we had at least tied and they didn't have a chance uh, to get a bonus point in either of the finals, whereas uh, we had a chance to get a bonus point in both finals. So we just needed one of them to pay off. Scotland mm-hmm. on the men's side did. Uh, but Scott, really, it's full credits to you in, in your picks. Uh, you got us out of the, let me do the quick math here. You picked out of your 14 picks, you got 10 of them correct with the bonus points. You got 11 out of our 17 points there, Scott. Uh, whereas I, we did ours a little differently, Jonathan and I. So I got six points out of the 10 picks that I made. So you definitely carried the team there. It's, uh, it's certainly in the percentage of the picks for which you were responsible. Yeah, you know, that's uh, why we lift all those weights and, uh, you know, do all that offland training in the summer. Uh, so, yeah, uh, no, it felt good. Uh, I, I think the women's field, uh, like I mentioned on our last show, I think it wasn't as deep as the men's field this year. And so I think the men's field was a bit tougher to preview and then pick, even though I did sort of nail the podium uh, <laughs> with uh, with mine. But yeah, I think like the big surprise was uh, Sweden on the women's side not making it. And then uh, for you on your side, a, lo- a lot of the errors came down to, you know, just picking the, the last wrong playoff team or the, the relegations and promotions from the B division. So a little bit tougher to, to get those right. Yeah, I, I agree. And, th- but that's where, and that's where we have lost most years is in the relegation promotion side of it. And we almost did this year because Jonathan almost ran the table on relegation promotion. The only thing he got wrong was Estonia being promoted from B to A. Everything else, relegation promotion, he got right. So we almost had some difficulty there. You got three out of the four B promotions correct, Scott, uh, which certainly helped us. And I went two and two on the promotion mm-hmm. relegation within the B itself. So, uh, and three and three overall on, on promotion relegation. So that, that is where we usually get caught. But fortunately this year we come out on top. Let's talk about who actually won the events. Cause I guess that kind of matters. So on the women's side, it's Madeline DuPont. We talked about it last week. Uh, I mentioned last week that we wanted to talk about it then, just in case she lost. It'd be less fun. But now it's way more fun uh, that Madeline DuPont is the uni- is the uh, European champion. And she had a great quote of, wow, why didn't we start winning a few years ago? This is way, way more fun. Yeah, it is kind of fun when you win. So she wins, gets the victory over Sylvana Tiranzoni, in the final, in an extra end where she steals four to get that victory. Uh, nip and tuck game the whole way through. Uh, when you look at the line score, uh, Mound DuPont, she starts with the hammer, uh, force, and then force, couple blanks. It's two to one as we go to the back half of the game. Tiranzoni gets the only deuce of the game and then singles the rest of the way. Uh, so it took her the whole 10 ends to flip the hammer, uh, but Sylvana Tiranzoni was able to flip the hammer. Uh, did not pay off, though, in that 11th end. So congratulations to Denmark. Yeah, big congratulations to Denmark. You, we joke a lot about how I don't give them any credit. Uh, I did have them picked for the playoffs, which you didn't hear, but it was in my, hi- my head and in my heart. Uh, I didn't think they were going to win, but 
good. You know, it is fun to see a team that's been on the scene for so long. Uh, we remember them from the 2010 Olympics, uh, even a bit before that. So congratulations to them. Hold your heads up high. Denmark, be very proud of this team. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible that they've been able to do this. Absolutely. Uh, very exciting for them. Uh, Savannah Terenzoni gets the silver. They don't care. They just win world championships. They'll be fine. And then it is Scotland that comes home yeah. with the bronze beating uh, Stefania Constantini in the bronze medal there. If you're looking at who advanced to the Women's World Curling Championship, obviously Sweden was already in, but they would have been in anyway with the fifth place finish. So you get Denmark, Switzerland, Scotland, Italy, Turkey, Germany, and Norway all qualify out of this field. Hungary and Latvia go down to the B division for next year. When you look at the B side and the promotions, uh, the B side on the women's was different than on the men's. Just fewer teams uh, were participating. And what we see is ultimately Estonia and the Czech Republic getting the promotion up to the B side for next year. Uh, So congratulations to them. Let's turn our attention then to the men's side. The final game of the event is the game that gave us the point to put us over the edge. That is Bruce Mowat and his team winning over Yannick Schwaller in the final. Scott, we talked, Jonathan and I did at the start in our preview uh, that uh, I think Jonathan was a little skeptical about Bruce Mowat, how they had started the season, uh, but they come out, obviously have a good week here. If you look at the line score, again, nip and tuck the whole way. Uh, they do capitalize, and that's the difference in this game on the hammer. They cracked two deuces. Schwaller was not able to get a multiple. He did get a steal in the ninth end, but Mowick gets a two in the fourth, and he gets two in the tenth to win five to four in a very close game. And I'm impressed with, obviously, they win and back-to-back championships for them, but Maybe maybe even a little more impressed with Yannick Schwaller and his team just because I was a little skeptical of, of how they were going to do and whether the lineup was enough of a, an improvement for Swiss men's curling that they can compete at the highest level. But, Scott, they certainly proved this week that they could. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it came out, had a, had a great week. You're right. I was also a skeptical uh, of this Schwaller team coming into the event. And when you say Jonathan was skeptical of Scotland, he didn't pick them to make the playoffs Sean so yes he was skeptical of the team so obviously Sean this is the team that's going to represent Switzerland at the world championships uh, given this strong result but also uh, given the caliber of players that have come together uh, we'll see if there's any challenge for them at Swiss nationals but uh, I I would I would like to see them build on this result uh, going into the spring and then into the world championships yeah, it's a, certainly a great start in their first international competition together, and we'll have to see how they grow together as a team. Now, of course, this is also the qualifier for the World Championship. So coming out of this event, it was the top eight who would go through. It was a little different on the women's side that if you had a strange turn of events where Sweden finished last or ninth, that uh, only seven teams would qualify out of the event, uh, but 
anyway, uh, on the men's side, top eight were in, bottom two were relegated. So Scotland, Switzerland, Italy, Sweden, Norway, Turkey, the Czech Republic, and Germany all qualify for the world championship. The surprise there might be Turkey. Uh, they get in. Uh, Denmark falls out. I know it's Spain and Denmark that will be going down to the B-side for next season. Speaking of the B-side, as I think Jonathan and I thought, uh, even though we didn't both pick this, uh, the two teams that went down last year are right back up into the A group for next year. So that's Finland and Kali Kiskinen and the Dutch side, Jaap Van Dorp and Wouter Gosgens. They'll be back in the A group next year. Perhaps no surprises on that front. No, no surprises uh, really on that front. Um, I was hoping maybe uh, somebody else could come up, but uh, those are the two I picked to come up. And it, it was like pretty, pretty cut and dry that those were the two best teams at the event. Yeah, uh, 100%. So uh, there you have it. The European Championship is done for this year. The Pan Continental Championship is done for this year. We have, uh, you know, I guess the, the attention now turns to the world qualification events, uh, then world championships. So once we get into the new year, we got wheelchair, we got mixed doubles, we got men's and women's, uh, a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, seniors as well, the World University Games are coming up. Uh, a lot going on on the world championship front as we turn the calendar in the next month. But still have some business to attend to on the Canadian front. The 2022 Canadian Senior Championship is going to kick off on Saturday out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Uh, this is always a very fun event. Uh, teams here that you will recognize uh, some of the players. This is Sherry Anderson's event. Uh, at some point, they will just name it the Sherry Anderson Pre-Memorial Senior Curling Championship. Uh, and uh, I look forward to that day. She has won uh, several of these, uh, the defending champion at this event. And Scott. Sean. There's another team of interest. Who is going to be there? Ah, why don't you tell me about it? Well, the girls are going to be there. The girls, yeah. Yeah. So they will be there uh, representing Ontario. Uh, Joanne Rizzo, who you likely know as the fourth thrower for Carrie Galusha. She is skipping this team. Janet Murphy is the third. And then Lori and Mary are the front end uh, Kim Kelly is there as the coach as well. So that's kind of cool uh, that Kim Kelly will be around. Uh, obviously, Scott, we're rooting for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go for team uh, podcast. That's really great. Happy to see them there. Uh, yeah, they're going to have a great time. And I'm sure we'll hear about it on the show, which is always great, right? When uh, when Lori would go to the Scotties and have those episodes after talking about uh, behind the scenes. So I'm excited to hear that for the uh, Seniors Championships. Yeah, those episodes are always a lot of fun. Uh, some other names who you might recognize. Tracy LaRock is skipping the Northern Ontario team. Teresa Breen is the skip for Nova Scotia, the home side there. Where Laura Eby, who we've seen at the Scotties a number of times, representing UConn, she'll be there. And of course, Sherry Anderson, is there to defend her title. 
so for as much as, yes, we might be rooting for the girls, uh, this is Sherry Anderson's event, uh, and everyone else is just there to play and participate in it. We'll see if anybody can get the title away from that team. Uh, on the men's side, again, some names who you might recognize. Randy Newfeld is skipping the Manitoba team. Al Hackner is there skipping Northern Ontario. Uh, now, some of the younger people, and by younger, I mean people who might be like <laughs> five years older than us, five, 10 years older than us, might not remember Al Hackner. Uh, but Al Hackner, one of the better players uh, of the 80s. And uh, he's still out. He actually played in the Northern Ontario Provincial Championship last year and gave Brad Jacobs a pretty good game in the final, if memory serves. Uh, so Al Hackner can still play. Maybe maybe a favorite here, Scott? I don't know about a favorite, but uh, definitely a, a team to watch. There's, uh, yeah, like uh, a lot of great players, great uh, names that we might know from all over the place, like you mentioned. So We'll see. Uh, I'm going to be cheering for BC and Wes Craig as I used to play against him in the Super League there in Victoria. Didn't uh, ever beat him, I don't think. So uh, go Wes. <laughs> yeah, elsewhere, you got Peter Mackey, uh, Jeff Nadeau. They're the back end for Team Nunavut. We've seen them at Briars and we've had a chance to play against Jeff Nadeau uh, in the past as well. Good guy. Uh, who was fun to play against. Uh, so cool for them. Uh, Terry Odishaw, we've seen at several Briars. He's there skipping the New Brunswick side. So again, some names, some people who you might be familiar with. Uh, the Ontario team is Howard Rahala. He is local to us. Uh, I don't know if he's representing the Rideau Curling Club at this event, but he plays at the Rideau Curling Club in the Cash League there. And I'm sure he plays elsewhere. Uh, so local to us. Uh, so, you know, a couple, I guess, local-ish rooting interest for us uh, at this event. Uh, but always a good time, that uh, we're, that uh, Canadian senior. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to this event. So, now, another event that just ended, uh, another Canadian championship. That is the Canadian Club Championship. That took place out in Edmonton at the West Edmonton Mall. They converted the skating rink in the mall to curling sheets. All the photos looked really cool for how they set this up and the way it was done. Mm -hmm. Like that must have been an incredible experience for the players to have that environment as opposed to a curling club. And I mean, obviously playing in a national championship would be pretty cool. Uh, you're wearing the the logo and the jackets, everything's great, but just to have in that public space like that, Scott, I, I would have to think that that would bring a lot of energy and excitement. Even if you're at the end of the week, it's your last game, you're over, you've only won one game. It just being in that setting, I think would be pretty cool. Yeah. that That's a definitely cool setting where, not only you're playing against uh, other great curlers and having fun, but like people can just watch. And uh, that's something that you're not really used to as a club curler. So it's, it's pretty cool environment. Uh, nice to play on arena ice and, and get that opportunity as, as it is, uh, but pretty, pretty neat. And uh, I would be pretty stoked to play in that kind of event. Yeah, definitely. It looked, looked really, really cool. Uh, now, Coming out of the event, uh, we do have our champions. And on the men's side, it is Greg Balsden and his team winning the men's event. And that's a name that you might have heard of before. 
And you might be thinking, wait a minute. I thought this was the club championship. And yeah, I thought the same thing when I saw that Greg Balsden was competing in this. So Greg Balsden, he has won a tier two uh, tour challenge back in 2016. He's played in multiple Ontario tankards, most recently in 2019, played in the 2017 Olympic pre-trial event, lost the B semifinal to Glenn Howard. So he has a rather lengthy history in top tier events. And I know that last year there was uh, a couple of people who had been to Scotty's who had played in this before. Uh, I, I don't know though, Scott, like what point does the curling club championship need to potentially just disqualify people who have been in events? I don't know. And this certainly isn't Greg Balsden's fault. He's obviously eligible for this event. Uh, but I do wonder if him winning it goes against a little bit of the spirit and the point of the whole thing. But I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I think maybe it's not the point of it, but it is allowed uh, given the rules. It's every team is allowed to have one player who in the previous three seasons participated in the Canadian mix, Canada cup, continental cup, tournament of hearts, Briar, mixed doubles, whatever. Uh, but you can't have two of those players. And, and the rule is also that like this, this is like a team from a club that goes, it's not, for people at different clubs that get together and decide, Hey, we don't play at high level, but let's put a team for this club championship together. No, like you have to play together in a weekly league at a, at the same club in order to qualify. So in that sense, if the, the one high level curler is doing that, right. Is like playing with his friends at a club or, every night or every week, then I don't really see a problem with it. So that's, that's sort of where I'm coming from. Cause I think the players that they're trying to not put into this event is the players that don't play in a weekly club league because they're on tour playing all over the country any given week. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's fair enough. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, I, I think Glenn Howard, plays with like his friends who are also really good players, like also elite level players. Um, like he plays, I think with Wayne Madaw and their fun league, right. With their wives, uh, with Sherry and, uh, and Glenn's wife, whose name escapes me. My apologies. Uh, I think they play in like a mixed league or something. So they would not be eligible, uh, for this event, uh, even though they would be a club right. team altogether. So, uh, yeah, there, there is a, you know, so there is something there and yeah, it, again, it's a fun event. Uh, that's the point of it. Hopefully everybody had a good time. Uh, so yeah, we don't need to spend too, too much time on the qualification process or who's eligible for this uh, event. So congratulations to Team Ontario on the men's side. On the women's side, it was Team New Brunswick. Shaylin Park skips her team of Krista Flanagan, Lynn LeBlanc, and Shannon Tatlock to a championship. Uh, so always kind of fun when uh, an East Coast team gets a championship. So congratulations to Team Park on the women's side. And hopefully everybody had a good time out there at the West Edmonton Mall. Absolutely. Scott, you lived in Edmonton. What's the best part of the West Edmonton Mall? That there's three of every store. <laughs> so, you know, uh, oh, I don't want to walk all the way to the end of the mall to go to... Uh, 
I don't even remember what stores were there. Uh, Lamley's Western Wear. But I can go to the one close to where I parked. So that's good. Nice. Nice. All right. Uh, One final event that we wanted to talk about that is kicking off uh, between now and the next time that we are going to record. It's actually starting on Friday, the 2nd of December. That is the World Mixed Doubles Qualifying Event. Uh, This is going to take place in Dumfries, Scotland. There are four spots still available for the 2023 Mixed Doubles World Curling Championship. It's got to be an easier way to say that. Uh, And there are 26 teams on their way to Scotland to challenge for those four spots. They are Austria, China, Chinese Taipei, Croatia, Finland, France, Guyana, Hong Kong, India, Ireland, Kazakhstan, Latvia, Lithuania, Mexico, Netherlands, New Zealand, Nigeria, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, Turkey, Ukraine, and Wales. They will be divided into four groups, round robin play, uh, and then eventually we get to four teams making it into the world championship. 16 teams are already qualified. The usual suspects are all there uh, who you would expect to be there uh, at at, uh, an event where you qualify. Uh, You also have, I guess, England might be the outstanding one there. Uh, They might not have expected to have already qualified, but England is there uh, as well. So always fun for us to see some of these countries that are not always represented at these events at the world level. Uh, So it should be a good time over there in Dumfries and some good competition competing for those four spots. Uh, Scott, anything stand out to you in terms of countries who are you surprised are there or who you think are perhaps prohibitive favorites to earn one of those four spots coming off the week uh, that turkey had at the euros i Mm. I think i would put them in a driver's seat uh, for one of those four spots uh the rest of them uh nothing's really sticking out maybe latvia uh, Netherlands, uh, Wouter is going to be, uh, playing on that team. Yeah. The New Zealand's performance at the, uh, recent pan continental championships might uh, put them in good stead, uh, for this one. And, uh, the, the six arrow team from Portugal, uh, they had a good run to, I think, get into this spiel. So yeah, I think these games, they'll all be like pretty good, pretty close. Uh, our friends from Hong Kong are are going. They'll mm. be in the house for this uh, as well. Should be fun to follow them. The, uh, the format is, uh, maybe you said it and I probably just wasn't listening, but uh, four <laughs> pools and then the top two from each pool will advance to the playoffs. And the playoffs are double knockout. So it'll be an eight-team playoff with a double knockout to get four qualifiers. Well, thanks for listening to the show, Scott. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, I got focused. a lot going on here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know, but I didn't get to the double elimination part of it, but that, that is important to, uh, to note the uh, eight down to four through the double elimination. Uh, so yeah, good luck to everybody who's over there. The other team that you should pay attention to, I think in addition to what you said, Scott, Spain, uh, they've had good runs at the mixed doubles worlds before. Uh, yes. Right. So, so that's a team to keep your eye on as well as China. Uh, now this is, uh, I'm taking this off of the world curling federations website, but China hasn't participated in anything so far this year. So 
I'm a little surprised mm-hmm. uh, that they're listed as being represented here, but I guess uh, if things are starting to change in China relative to the curling association, relative to the national policy, uh, it came up on Rocks Across the Pond that uh, it hasn't, I don't think it was officially announced or anything, but one of the potential reasons for China not participating was related to the country's COVID zero policy. Uh, we have seen over the past few days some uh, some images coming out of China of, of protesting against that policy. Whether or not those two things are related to each other, I would say probably not, because I'm sure this decision of having this team participate was made before those protests. But uh, nevertheless, uh, China, according to the World Curling Federation website, will be there this week and their first appearance on the world stage this season. Yeah, that's a, a good point, Sean. Uh, I, I didn't think of that, but you're right. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see them uh, on the ice for sure. First Chinese team we'll get to see this season. And then the final big piece of news doesn't affect us in 2022, won't even affect us, Scott, in 2023, but in 2024. The briar will be devoid of donuts. Mark Nichols is going to retire. You heard it here first uh, with this change because mm-hmm. Tim Hortons is no longer going to be the title sponsor of the briar. There are a lot of potential ramifications for this. One conspiracy-ish theory that I have associated with this. Uh, but first blush, Scott. Uh, what was your reaction to hearing that Tim Hortons was stepping away as the title sponsor for the Briar? Well, my first thought was how much does it cost to be the title sponsor of the Briar? Because <laughs> uh, calling it the Game of Stones Briar would be pretty sweet, right? Yeah. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> um, but but yeah, my second thought was, oh, that's interesting because I remember Labatt being the sponsor and then it going to Nokia for like four years, five years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then it's been the, the Tim Hortons briar for almost 20 years. It'll be almost 20 years when this event, uh, or when this runs out. Right. Yep. So yeah, my, my thought was, okay, what big Canadian company would be in line to sponsor the, the briar? What do you think, Sean, what are your contenders? I think that uh, Canadian Tire could be in the running for it. Uh, I think that's a natural one. I, I think mm-hmm. they've they haven't done as much advertising and curling recently, but they used to do a lot of, you know, their whatever those tool things that they have. Uh, they used to do a lot of those, but then I guess they went to home hardware. So maybe mm-hmm. home hardware uh, could be a potential option there. Uh, the tire companies are pretty big into curling advertising now. Uh, I think on the certainly on the world level, they're a title sponsor of either the men's or the women's. I can't remember. Uh, that could be a potential option. Those are more global mm-hmm. brands, though. Obviously, you wonder if I don't know. Do one of the agricultural companies that we see advertise a lot would one of them want to get in as a title sponsor? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's kind of hard to think of yeah. of big national brands that. Like we don't have that many, right? Like there's just not that many big, like what is Loblaws going to do it? And they're not even national. What about the Bay? They don't have enough money to do it. But Sean, I think the one that we're, we're not uh, saying out loud is uh, some sort of gambling website. 
Isn't this like the perfect opportunity for curling Canada to cash in on this rise in sports gambling? I know they've got the points bet invitational. Uh, it seems to me like that might be a logical transition, uh, which I think would be bad. I know that it was sponsored by McDonald tobacco for a long, for a long time and then by beer. So why not uh, add the gambling and uh, hit the trifecta? Yeah, basically it's uh, all of Vegas has sponsored uh, the prior at one point, everything you associate with Vegas, smoking, drinking, gambling. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That would be, mm-hmm. I think, a logical next step for a company, a, a gambling company to get in on this. Uh, what I'm I'm curious, though, about Scott is the Briar versus the Scotties, right? So the Briar, I think, for Curling Canada makes a little bit more money. The Historically, the ratings have been a touch higher. I think that started to, to level off. A little bit, but the the briar is called the briar, right? So even though Tim Hortons is the title mm-hmm. sponsor, we're never like the or like people like us. We're never like oh the Tim Hortons briar, right? On TSN they'll say it all the time. Sure, we don't, and I think most fans just call it the briar. Whereas the Scotties, right? That's that's the name of the company. It's the like we refer to it as the right. Scotties as opposed to just Tournament of Hearts. So I wonder if the Scott paper contract is worth more or gets more value out of it than being the title sponsor of the Briar simply because Scotty's, it's just called Scotty's. Like that's how we refer to it. That's a, that's a good point because you're right. Nobody says, oh, I'm turning on the Timmies tonight <laughs> to uh, watch the, the men curling. They might say, I'm going to get some Timmies so I can turn on the Briar. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to to see who steps up. Also, uh, in the press release that Curling Canada put out, uh, my goodness, whoever wrote this earned their money yesterday. With an average audience reach of 6.5 million over the course of the 10-day tournament, more than 70 hours of national broadcast coverage, and an average minute audience for the gold medal final that can exceed 1 million viewers, the Briar is amongst the most highly coveted and valued sport properties in the world. That's the first paragraph of them announcing that Tim Hortons is not going to be the title sponsor anymore. Like, oh my goodness, uh, your your fingers were on fire when you were writing that. And it goes on and on like that uh, in a very similar tone uh, for uh, the the rest of the press release. Uh, but yeah, it'll be, it, it's, it's, it's a change. So here's my conspiracy theory-ish associated with this, Scott. Okay. That... This is part of a a broader change that's taking place that when the Canada Cup went away, at least for one year, it's part of a broader shift that's going to happen wherein the December event, whatever they decide to call it, whether it's Canada Cup or something else, that I think they'll bring that back. Yeah. Uh, Maybe they'll even put it earlier. Maybe it'll be November. Who knows? And that'll be the event that determines who the national representative is at the world championship and that the Scotties and the Briar will still be the national championship. You just won't go to the worlds that way. Uh, And that the prize potentially would be an automatic berth in the next year's Canada cup or whatever it's called. And that Tim Hortons removing Mm -hmm. itself as the title sponsor of this is because they're going to be the title sponsor of whatever 
that event is going to be, and they'll continue to be the title sponsor of the uh, the Olympic curling trials. And so that that's sort of my thing here is like, is this part of the broader shift of what the curling calendar could look like? And maybe that's a lot to draw out of uh, a company, especially a restaurant company uh, that is now multinational, that is not based in Canada anymore, <laughs> pulling out as the title sponsor of a curling event. But it did occur to me that that could be part of something, maybe. Yeah, that could be. That's that's true. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, we'll, ha- we'll have to see uh, who sponsors the uh, Canada Cup now. Is it home, home Hardware? It was Home Hardware, I think. Yeah, so... Yeah, maybe uh, Home Hardware comes and they just switch places. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, so in, in this press release, they do mm-hmm. have the national partners, uh, and Tim Hortons will continue to be a national partner. So the national partners for Curling Canada right now are Tim Hortons, Kruger, and that's Scott Papers in this or whatever it's called. Uh, it used to be called Scott Paper, and now it yeah is everyone. Uh, Home Hardware, New Holland, BKT Tires, and OK Tire Points Bet, AMJ Campbell, Nutrin Egg Solutions. Great Western Brewing Company, go back to beer. That could be fun. Uh, PharmaSave, Mr. Mike's Steakhouse, Casual, and The Days In. So those are the national partners. Uh, I don't know if any of those necessarily roll off the tongue in front of Briar. Yeah, I don't think you can call it the Great Western Briar when it's played in uh, Halifax. <laughs> well, you call it the Great Western Brewing Briar. Well... I guess so. Yeah. And I wonder too about like Great Western Brewing Company or Mr. Mike's. Yeah. Like like they're not national brands in that like I can't go to a Mr. Mike's anywhere near me. Like I've never seen one no. in the flesh. I've only seen the no. commercials for them, right? So is there value added to them to be a title sponsor of a national event? I don't know. Uh, or, or yeah, maybe somebody else swoops in. You know who really should swoop in, let's be honest, is one of the big banks should just do it. Uh, they make a billion dollars a quarter. Yeah. Um, they're going to be fine. You know, just do it. Yeah. Just do it. The BMO Briar. I, I dare you, big banks. Hey, that that sounds good. BMO Briar. Yeah, like it. Well, rolls off the tongue, and it's a ra- how much it, how, for how much it would probably cost them. It'd be a rounding error uh, for oh. these people. Is nothing. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. All right. Yeah, uh, big, absolutely. Big banks step up to the plate and uh, be a title sponsor here. All right. Uh, last piece of business for this week, Scott. Uh, we're doing the full circle model of an episode today. We started with the bad beer bet. Let's finish with the bad beer bet. Oh boy. We have to pick what Jonathan and Ryan are going to drink. And we're going to try to set up a live stream uh, so that we can all do this live together, the four of us. And we'll announce that on social media if we can put it together. Otherwise, they'll have to drink it on their show. But hopefully we can do it on a live stream. So, Scott, I have uh, an article up that says seven worst rated British beers, styles and and brands. So... Because, in, okay. because Jonathan is in England, obviously we have to go uh, with that, right? I think we have to go with that, yeah. All right, so... The, pro- terms- the problem in doing this, Sean, is that Ryan likes bad beer. Yes. So we need to pick something that's actually 
good, but that he won't like. Right. Yeah. So that, that makes it really tough to, to figure it out. So what I'm thinking is we go with like a really hoppy triple IPA, something that you and I would probably enjoy. Uh, so, you know, whereas normally we would look for something that is poorly rated on untapped or has a poor reputation, maybe we mm -hmm. have to do the opposite here and pick something that is highly rated on untapped uh, and, and go with that. You know, this is our, our, our buddy, Aaron. Uh, he got untapped recently. He started giving bad scores to good beers. And we're like, what are you doing? Like, you're not, you're, you're going to break everything. It, you know, it doesn't matter on something that has like 10,000 ratings. Like, okay, fine. A bad one won't hurt. But if you're going to a little microbrewery, which we did in, in our road trip to Detroit, and it only has like 40 or 50 mm -hmm. ratings so far, you give it a low one, that could actually skewed enough that could affect uh, how people... Uh, whether or not people buy it and therefore hurt the brewery. So like sometimes these things matter uh, in, in terms of the business model. But I, I think that's maybe what we have to do. I think so. I think so. So and I wouldn't even pick a, a good one. I would pick a middle one, right? Mm -hmm. Like one that's rated three and a half or something. But that is super hoppy and super uh, West Coast resiny. Okay, I like that. Uh, do, are there any that immediately come to mind for you? Independent of whether or not we can actually get it. Well, like some kind of like a mass produced IPA, maybe like a Voodoo Ranger or, or something mm. like they're good though, but they're good to us. They're not going to be good. They're not going to be good to him. You know, I, I guess so. I guess so. Or maybe a, a dogfish head, like a 90 minute. Ah, mm. uh, Yeah. Hmm, interesting. What are your, what are your thoughts? No, I, I agree. Yeah, something like that or even something that might be like a, if there's like a double of that. You know, I, I think that's kind of where we get into the realm of something that he won't enjoy. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, any of those big national ones that, that are kind of hoppy, but there's doubles of, um, I think that's where we, we go with it. Okay. And, what, and so then for Jonathan... What are you thinking for him? So it's on Taste Atlas, and there are different uh, different bad styles, or the, the the styles that are ranked the lowest. So the ones that's the, the one that is ranked the lowest is English India Pale Ale. That's the one that they rank as the worst of the British beers. So pulled up a couple. Uh, one is called. Uh, this looks pretty regularly available have you ever had a fuller's bengal lancer scott you know what i haven't but i just watched a youtube show uh on the craft beer channel and they were talking about the origins of an ipa like the historical origin origins of it and this was the second one on the evolution of ipas okay that they uh that they tried uh it is a more english style maltier maybe like a bit breadier, but with still a hoppy finish. But what's different about it is it uses local English hops, vice American hops, which most IPAs nowadays use American hops. So I, I don't think it's bad though, which is right. Which is in part of it. Right. Uh, you remember we, tr we had to drink boxer. Yes. The first year, I think I that's believe, an English beer. 
well we well not only was it boxer i believe we got boxer ice watermelon yes we did boxer ice watermelon (laughs) yeah that was not uh, that was not fun uh yeah if that's british yeah then let's do that let's do not fun boxer ice too okay yeah boxer ice and i think like uh, i think for ryan we'll we'll pick some kind of domestic ipa uh but we will reveal the final choices on our stream if we're able to get it together yeah so that's kind of what we're thinking for the two of them Uh, if you have specific suggestions though within those realms uh do let us know reach out uh, let us know what you want to hear them drink a weird way to say that but let's go with it uh because that's uh that's it we don't get to cash in on these bets uh very often because uh we lose most of the time so it's very exciting to actually get to do this yeah for sure i'm i'm pretty excited (laughs) and uh as am i and uh hopefully they are as well at least in a little way it does make for some fun content at the very least uh to to do this uh, and fill, fills an episode potentially. So uh, we'll look forward to uh, doing that, uh, making our final selections. But as I say, if you want to let us know what you want to hear or what we should select, do let us know. You can reach out at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook. You can also send us an email, Game of Stones Podcast at Gmail. Dot com. Of course, as always, head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. Past episodes are available, plus a link to the merch. All merch proceeds to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation and Food Banks Canada. We, of course, match those as we go forward. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Do the likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff helps other people find the show. I also launched What's Old is News last week, if you want to check that out for some history content. And we are in the midst of a 10th year special edition of the year in review 100 years later series Uh, normally it's just a singular post in december this year the great aaron boys and i are letting the people decide so we had the first round the sweet 16 last friday coming up this friday december the second it is the regional finals as we determine the most important event from 1922. Some real bangers in there this year, Scott. Uh, some fun stuff that, uh, and some not fun stuff, let's yeah. be honest, uh, as well. But uh, uh, in terms of like ramifications. Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, I went through and I made my votes. We even forwarded it to uh, some of the rest of the family. So hopefully you got uh, a lot of good votes for that. And I'm looking forward to this uh, this week's. The, the write-up was really good. Uh, it's always really funny, so... Uh, go check that out. Thank you. And uh, yeah, that's over on activehistory.ca if you want to check that one out uh, in the next couple of Fridays as well. So those are are keep coming. Uh, The one for this Friday is written and uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, There's only one vote that I felt the people got wrong. So uh, good job, everybody. Ah, Uh, So so there you have it. Uh, That will do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will be back with you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.